When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. I'm Tracy Harris, and this is At Home in My Head, the podcast that explores life in the cottage at Woodland Corners. Today's episode is part of a multi-part series titled Perspectives on Death that examines my experiences with death, both as a religious person and later in my secular life. I'll be explaining the ways in which death has impacted me, and perhaps touch on some responses and reactions that may resonate or offer alternatives to the experiences others may have had. This series mirrors articles from the At Home in My Head blog. A link to the blog series is also included in the description. And now for episode one of Perspectives on Death, the introduction. Earlier in March 2020, I received an unusual request to participate in a special podcast episode, possibly the final episode, of Left at the Valley. I'd been a guest with that podcast a few times before, but this time it was not a request for me to appear as a guest so much as a request for me to participate in an event to honor one of their regular contributors, Nancy, who, I was informed, was dying of cancer. I found it both interesting and appropriate that those who love someone would want to honor their life before their death. Rather than a memorial episode after the fact, they opted for an episode to celebrate Nancy's life, contributions, and philosophy regarding her own mortality. An event like this can only happen in a situation where the individual confronting death is secure and resolved about their situation. Otherwise, a gathering or celebration of this nature could take on macabre and morbid tones, potentially causing distress rather than joy. The request did not go out only to me. It was sent out to a large group of people, some of whom I recognized as acquaintances within the secular community. As it turned out, I was able to attend, and many others were as well. During the call, in spite of my intention to actively participate, I quickly realized that others in attendance were connecting in ways I wasn't able. Their feelings, observations, and stories seemed diverse, and yet also aligned. My own experiences, although I have known people who have died, have never impacted me in the way others explained their experiences. I considered whether a minority view would be appropriate and useful, but in the end, it wasn't a show about secular perspectives on death or my unique responses. It was a tribute to Nancy, her life and death. I mostly stayed silent, not wanting to make the situation about myself. Before the call ended, I simply added that I felt honored to be invited to participate and to hear so many people share their experiences. It honestly was something that made me feel honored, to be part of a celebration of life and an examination of death. Nancy had much to say, and her perspectives were inspiring. Many of us can relate to wanting to confront life and death on our own terms, and Nancy was doing exactly that. I learned she'd recently been interviewed as an advocate for MAID, 
the Medical Assistance in Dying program in Canada. The program is important for her, and she wants to be sure others who share her attitudes are aware of their legal options and have access to them. Not only did she live a life of service, she managed to find a way to serve in death as well, which I believe is admirable and rare. She found a way to add a layer of usefulness and meaning to her final act, a way to help others. I could go on, but I'm not here to talk about Nancy, although she's definitely someone worth getting to know. I provided links for the podcast discussion and MAID advocacy article in case anyone would like to hear more of her story and philosophy about confronting the end of her life as a secular person. The information is there in her own words, and it doesn't require me to summarize it. I could never express it as well as she has already. As I sat in that chat group of secular acquaintances, though, friends and strangers, and listened to them sharing their stories of loss and grief and love, I started thinking about my own experiences. I thought about all the times I've been entirely inappropriate. Over the years, I've become generally good at filtering myself, stopping awkward comments before they come out. I know, for example, that an off-color joke is probably better left untold. I find humor in inappropriate events and occurrences, and sometimes am unable to control my reactions, laughing to tears even while I know someone I care about is becoming upset or angry. I've learned through trial and error that what I find funny can often be hurtful or disturbing to people. My goal with humor is generally to share something positive, and so I try to stop myself when I anticipate or begin to realize that I'm being inappropriate. Because of my past role as a host on a secular Collins show, I've been asked about many angles of death. Do I fear hell? Do I worry about an afterlife? Do I miss believing in an afterlife? How do I cope with the thought of non-existence after death? Does religion offer comfort? Where do I find comfort as a secular person? Is it wrong to rob another person of their belief in an afterlife? There's a pervasive idea that religion or religious views impact how a person deals with death, how they think or feel about it, and what it means to them. I would agree it can impact a person's perspective on death, but it doesn't appear that impact is homogenous. It's not the same for everyone, and the more I consider my own experiences as a religious person and later as a secular person, the more I begin to realize that perspectives on death aren't necessarily even homogenous within a single individual, whether religious or secular. I've confronted the deaths of people I've known to varying degrees and had different thoughts and responses depending on circumstances and relationships. On some occasions, the deaths of people I barely knew impacted me more powerfully than the deaths of people I'd known all my life. The deaths of people I cared about greatly sometimes impacted me far less than the deaths of people I'd only cursory relationships with. A death can bring me joy, disorient me entirely, make me angry, afraid, or even endow me with feelings of responsibility and guilt. I can also be left entirely apathetic. Ultimately, I'm not sure that a question about how one deals with death is even relevant outside of a context more specific than secular or religious. How I might react to the death of an elderly parent is in no way a predictor of how I might react to the death of my own child. But it can be even more complicated than that. I've seen people comforted by their religious beliefs about death, but I've also seen people tormented by them. I've seen secular people who said losing religion alleviated their fears about death, but others who said it exacerbated them. 
I've experienced distress and apathy at different times in my life about the idea of my own death, but I have no idea how I will ultimately confront it when the time actually comes, or even if I'll have time to consider it at all. It's a topic I've often been asked to consider, and one where there's no clear answer. In this series, Perspectives on Death, I'm going to talk about some of the times I've had to consider death or the threat of death with regard to those around me. I hope these stories will resonate to some degree and possibly even provide validation for people who may be harboring reactions they deem irrational or inappropriate. Whatever the result, if any of this inspires further thought or discussion, then I've accomplished something worthwhile. That's it for this episode of At Home in My Head, exploring life in the cottage at Woodland Corners. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay safe, be well, and never stop exploring.